1: And welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and I'm here with the always wonderful Jillian of Studio Soprano. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, working business to business or doing wholesale for other designers, stationers, what have you. So um, we will probably refer to it as B2B, but um, yeah, that's the long the long version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I really love having everything like refer like all my forms. It's like B2B, B2B,
1: yeah. B2B. I'm all about like the um what are they called? Acronyms. Yeah. Yeah. I use like shorthand and acronyms for literally everything. Like all of my files and like organization between my various jobs is all organized that way. So
0: you know what is a very unfortunate acronym in our industry? You try to guess it. You try to guess what I'm thinking. <sighs> hmm. It is the most unfortunate acronym for a stationer.
1: I don't know. Save the date. Oh yeah! Oh my God, so bad. Like, Every time I go to save
0: the file, I actually put
1: s a lowercase small, d or lowercase t. Yeah. I, yeah,
0: no, I do a small v. I can't even. I have to do the small v, then a t, then a d.
1: Yeah, I do s capital s lowercase t uppercase d. <laughs> At least it's like not like it doesn't. I don't know anyway. But yeah, that anyway. is a terrible one. Um,
0: but okay, so business to business. Um, I honestly, I never planned. To print for other designers, I think this is something that really came out of the paper shortage, the like panic that was 2021, where if you were a wedding stationer, you basically went from the worst year you could ever have with like everything being canceled to the craziest year because you had twice the weddings, half this product was in stock it was just total chaos. So like, that's where it really came out for me because I kept seeing people posting like, you know, my letterpress printers, like five, like five week lead time or something like that. Yeah. So I just popped into that Facebook group and was like, Hey, if anyone needs anything printed, I've got paper because I bought it in bulk. I was so yeah. running out. So I was sitting on $4,000 worth of paper. I was like, I've got paper. I certainly have time. Um, so let me know if you need help. And like that one decision, that one Facebook post transformed my business, you know, not necessarily overnight, but over time, it completely transformed what I do in my business, how it runs financially, whether or not I consider myself a designer or a printer, like all of that's changed. So the good tip from that story is if you want to get started in this find the people who need your service and just let them know you offer it. Like, don't wait for to you. Don't hope that algorithms and SEO are going to do all of your heavy lifting. If you have a letterpress sitting in your house, your studio, that is a rare situation. So if you're interested in getting into business to business, just go let people know that you are willing to do it.
1: Totally. And, you know, we are printers, so that's an obvious offering for us. But no matter what you offer no matter what services you could provide for other businesses, you have something special and you have some kind of advantage that someone needs. For us, it's the fact that we don't have a five-week turnaround for print jobs. And we have paper on hand. We have presses right available to us like we can print anytime we need to. So, you know, that short turnaround time for us is a huge selling point. And even if you don't have a turn like a turnaround that quick, maybe you have another selling point that you can offer people, whether that's a super specialized service. Um, you know, there's somebody on Instagram uh, who offers like painted beveled edge paper and that's all I see them offer. Like that is very niche, but they're one of the few people who offer it. So whatever you're planning to offer, you know, whatever you have, there's an angle that you can push and there's a crowd of people who need that um, for whatever reason it is. So, you know, don't limit yourself by thinking like not everyone needs this thing or whatever. But
0: yeah, I feel like you could turn... Almost any like skill that you have into a business to business, business, business to business, 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 to business,
1: business. <laughs> that, I mean, that's that okay. is actually <laughs> what I was
0: saying let's call it a B2B business. You yeah. can turn like anything into a B2B business because let's say you're a watercolor artist. I can watercolor, but I don't necessarily have the time to do it. So like if someone's whole structure was just, I watercolor for other artists, like, boom, that's awesome. Done. Yeah like you could even just make envelopes or it could be like the smallest portion of the overall picture. You don't have to be like doing it all. But if somebody was like, Hey, I make custom envelopes for other stationers and designers, I'd be like, game on baby, because I've got a lot of ideas and I don't want to be making those envelopes.
1: Well, something that like a lot of us have, right. Is random equipment, things that we've done for one or two projects that have now been sitting on our shelves. Right. Like we've dabbled in every medium there is at this point. So Mm -hmm. you could probably like one of those things that you enjoy, you know, you could make that into a B2B offering. Like, Hey, I see that you like, uh, custom envelopes in this color line. That's not available in envelopes. I have a dye and I've made envelopes out of that paper before I could make them for you. Like it's as simple as taking something that you offer even to your like whole, like your, uh, retailer design clients and making that into something that you can make available to other designers. You know, it's something as simple as that transition. Um, and this can be a huge revenue booster. Um, if you're starting out, if you are having a slow season, if you are just wanting to fill up your calendar, or maybe you brought on new staff and you need to get more work to, to make that worth it, like whatever the situation may be, like even just scrolling those Facebook groups and finding a few people who are like, Oh my god, my printer bailed on me. I need help. Like or whatever. Your printer is six weeks out, whatever the case may be. Like even just a handful of those could make your quarter. You know, it it could be as simple as that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth considering if you're already offering something. Why not offer it to more people?
0: Yeah. And the only cautionary tale I really have from getting started and diving in is just to be a little bit prepared. Like you don't have to have everything perfect, not every single Thing element needs to be ironed out. But um, I know that my few jobs were a total mess. (laughs) Like, not the actual physical printing of them, but just like the way that I was capturing those leads, the way I was sending them invoices. I wasn't even like getting their shipping address. (laughs) And so I would be ready to ship them and then having to send them an email. And not everyone checks their emails religiously. So sometimes, like, jobs would be delayed a day or two because I would just be waiting on the address that I should have collected at the beginning. Um, And that was all just because I didn't have a system. I dove like right into it by just offering it to people. And then over the course of months dialed in my system. Yeah. If like word from the dumb to probably the wise is (laughs) just think about these things, right? Like we made a whole episode on workflow processes. We won't go through all of it again here, But take a listen to that episode. Um, Think about the different steps that you'll want to prepare for when you're bringing on a B2B client. And they're not going to be totally different from a retail client. Really, the only difference should be the price that you're charging them because you should treat them like they're a retail client. They should get the great service from you. They should get, you know, love, care, support from you. But they also like, Ask them questions, double-check things, make sure, and all that stuff. Um, So think about that workflow process a little bit ahead of time, and you'll be doing yourself a favor.
1: Yeah, you'll be glad you did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think – when you start something new, no matter what it is, no matter how much experience you have in that field, when you start offering something different than what you normally offer, there's always going to be some bumps in the road, right? Like you're always going to have to be like, oh wait, I didn't even think about this. I didn't think about that. But, um, you know, just be as prepared as you can. Um, and yeah, just be ready for kind of anything. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. But Yeah. All right. Let's get into pricing because that's a huge element of wholesale, like you just talked about. So, um, let's dive into that.
0: Yeah. So the biggest difference between your wholesale clients, your retail clients is going to be the price and wholesale, like in general, the best rule of thumb is that wholesale should be two times your raw cost. So like the material, the labor, whatever it is, that like raw price to create the product wholesale is going to be two times that. And then retail is four times that raw cost. So it's usually wholesale times two. Um, and Ideally, like the cost that it takes you to make a product should just be 25% of the final retail price. So those are just like some good numbers to have in the back of your head when you're thinking like, how much should I be charging my business to business clients?
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's so many nuances to pricing, but, um, you know, that is that structure is based on like a product offering. So if you're offering a true service, you know, your pricing structure may look different, your costs and your return on investment might be different. Um, But for general, you know, generalization, 25% of your retail price should cover your costs. but yeah. obviously, there's a million asterisks to follow that statement.
0: <laughs> it totally is. And especially with letterpress. And I'm, I know we've mentioned this before, but it gets all kind of confusing because you don't want to forget about your labor. You're not just charging for the paper, the plates, and the ink. You also need to be charging for the time because if not, what's going to end up happening is that... What you think are profits, it's actually not profits because if you were paying someone else to do it, if you were hiring an employee, you would have to be cutting them a check and then what you'd realize at the end of the day is that you made absolutely nothing on that job.
1: Yeah, over the years, um, we've both revisited our pricing like a thousand times because there's literally always like something else or some special project that doesn't quite fit the mold of your race, like your regular pricing structure. And no matter what structure you already have established or you're starting up, like just before you send any quotes out, even for B2B or otherwise, just make sure that you do the math, make sure that you're covering your costs, you're covering your time. And that includes all of the little things like emailing back and forth and getting, you know, files prepped and all of that as well. Like, and sending off artwork to another supplier, if that's what you're doing. Like, even if you're not producing the final product yourself, account for the time that it takes you to do those things. Um, and, you know, you're think about your credit card fees. If you're putting this on a business credit card, what's your percentage rate? Like, there are all kinds of considerations to go into your pricing structures, but just make sure you're doing the math to cover your cost and then some, and you know, what if you had to like, if something comes up in case of emergency and you need to outsource this job to get it complete on time, you know, like that's happened to both Jillian and I, where we've had to send something to each other or other printers um, and other printers have done the same to us where something has gone wrong and you are no longer able to do this job, but you have a contract to fulfill it. Right. Like, All of this stuff comes up at some point or another. So just be prepared that if you need to outsource it, you have a source to do that that matches up with the pricing. So you still have your costs covered out and you're not coming out of your pocket to make sure it gets done on time. Um,
0: Yeah, which is why you also don't really want to approach pricing in a way that like undercuts the rest of the industry because you're not going to be helping yourself out if you get into one of those situations and now you're going to the next place and they're like twice your pricing you know what i mean like it really helps to understand what your neighbors are charging and it's not because you're trying to be competitive it's not because you're trying to like steal their business but it's because if you get yourself in a bind you're going to be sol if you've been charging like the bare minimum for these jobs and uh you can't find anyone else to print it for you for like even remotely the same cost.
1: Yeah. And you know, when we, Jillian and I sat down, at, I mean, we've done this a couple of times, but we sat down and what was it? May that you were out here. We yeah. like looked at all of this and we were like, okay, if we were to outsource, who would we go to and what pricing would we base that off of? You know, like, And we looked at this and we equated, you know, okay, will I lose money on these jobs? Will I make money? Will I still, will I break even? Like, where are we at on the spectrum of outsourcing to a bigger printer, to another company for this product or that product? Like, it is worth the time to just go through line by line and make sure that you're prepared for that. Um, Even if it only happens to you once, you know, like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes you are going to lose money and that's fine. Like the name of the game isn't to go find someone and then add 20% to all of their pricing and call it the end of the day. Totally. Like, um, which is very tempting to do because it's so much easier. Like figuring out your pricing is such a pain in the butt. Um, however, I will say one of the things that has made it a little bit like less anxiety-inducing for me because one of the things that I couldn't wrap my head around necessarily was like – I need to make sure that I'm covering my overhead costs with the jobs that I'm printing. And so one of the exercises I did was to actually add up all of my overhead costs, add a little bit of a margin to that, divide it out by roughly how many jobs I plan to do a month. And I used, I used like actual data from that. I printed 10 jobs in January and 12 in February and then like five in April. So average all of those out, times it by 12, divide the whole thing. You get a number. I actually add, you know, a flat $75 to every job. And that's just the bare minimum. Like to work with me, it's going to be $75 because I need this job to cover the overhead. And then that way I don't have to worry so much about where everything else is being is going. Cause I know that $75 is going to like the business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There it. are so many, there are so many things that fluctuate. Like every job, you know, our paper costs do vary depending on what survive like provider you buy or supplier you get them from and your envelopes with different brands and different mills are different prices. And you can't equate for all of those things in your pricing structure, no matter how thorough your Excel spreadsheet looks like so, you know, you have to cover your bases in one way or another. And so by, you know, you adding a fee like that just as a base is is a good start, you know, to make sure that you're covering costs and all the things that it requires, you know, to run a business and to collect invoices and to have a contract and all of those things as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then one other thing about pricing for wholesale is um, sales tax. You know, you're going to want to talk to your local tax person or, you know, look at your local business laws to determine what paperwork and information you need. Every state is different. Um, And, you know, depending on what you're offering, whether you need to charge sales tax or not. Um, And if not, what kind of paperwork you need to have from your B2B clients in order to make sure that you're covering all of your bases. Um, So that's another thing to consider as well. Um, And, you know, when you go to most commercial printing sites, you'll notice that you can only request a quote by submitting project details. There's a reason for that. And The more you do B2B jobs, the more you'll figure that out. And a lot of that has to do with just the variation between each job, (laughs) which is (laughs) kind of the nature of all of our business anyway, but it's especially true for B2B. Like people expect you to just be able to like, oh, I need 15 copies in this size. It's like, okay, well, how many colors? And, you know, any finishing processes, do I need to cut it down? Like, what kind of artwork is it? Like all of these things change the cost of of business. So it's, it's, you know, there's a reason that those sites have custom quotes required. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've, I've definitely taken a stab at making a few like automated quote builders, because I see the businesses who have those, I love working with them. Like I love going to Princewell and just being able to price out my job. And I'm like, I just want this for my business. But the fact is, is that a lot of time and or money has to go into those systems. Um, and as a small business, I I've certainly spent, way too much time trying to figure it out um but I'm not really there to invest like a ton of money in building it out just yet when I still can quote jobs individually and so if you're listening to this don't feel like you can't do business without one neither Mariah and I have beautiful automatic quote builders and yet we still do a lot of b2b business
1: Mm -hmm. I have I have built out for um b2b i do have like a pdf that i can send out to people which has like basically it has my offerings it has like what services i provide and it has very very basic quotes for the most basic of letterpress jobs um and very basic die cutting and very basic calligraphy pricing it is minimal description but at least Mm -hmm. gives someone like a ballpark a figure to start with and then it has you know some frequently asked questions and it has like turnaround times and what paper I like to use and that kind of thing. So it covers a lot of that like information that people tend to ask. And Mm -hmm. um, it kind of, you know, eliminates some of that time right away because they can read through it and they can answer a lot of their questions themselves. Um, So I have found that helpful. It obviously takes time to set that up and build it initially, but once you have it and it's pretty quick to update, it's, you know, pretty awesome to have on hand, but you know, so you can start anywhere. You can start with just quoting jobs, on an as-needed basis so you can build up your own little like brochure in InDesign you can work uh with a web developer and have them build you a custom website like there are so many levels you can go with this but um you know even just you know quoting job by job is still totally feasible and is an option we both do all the time and um, huge
0: commercial printers do that all the time yeah. like yeah, that yeah. Is, don't forget that's that, That's not a small potatoes thing. That's like a, we offer way too much stuff to like be able.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a logistical thing. Like sometimes that is the only way to quote things. Um, So don't feel like that's a, a barrier for you in any way. Okay. So let's talk about what you're going to offer. Um, for us as printers, it's pretty obvious what we should offer letterpress printing, (laughs) but we kind of touched on this, but if you, you know, you can offer any kind of specialty to service as a business to business offering. And like, if you're a calligrapher, you could offer your calligraphy or envelope addressing or whatever, have you to other designers or stationers or printers, like (laughs) not everyone can do calligraphy. That's a very specialty offering. And that makes you unique, you know, like that is something you can definitely market. Um, Same with like edge painting and die cutting, or even design, or let's say you're really good at uh, prepping files for letterpress plates, like that's something you could offer as a service. And all of those things could be available to other designers, and that could bring you additional revenue. So why not, you know? Um, But for me, a big journey I've been on this year has been to learn to offer only what I enjoy. (laughs) Um, You know, a lot of times I think when we're hungry and we're broke and we want to work more, it's like we try and offer anything and we accept every job that comes our way. And then at some point you realize like, this is making me miserable or it's stressing me out or I just don't enjoy it at all. And, you know, it's a luxury to be able to choose that. But when you can find a balance between what you enjoy offering and what you're good at, then that's like, the best case scenario. That's living the dream right there. So, you know, maybe don't yeah. offer things that you're not super sure about, but, um, you know, it can also be a fun way to experiment. If you have clients, like if you're starting out as a printer and you've not really designed stationary, but you want to get into it, working with other designers who are not printers can be a really cool way to print some badass, amazing projects that you might not be like selling yet you know that might be something that you're not really like doing yet yourself but it can get you in the door to at least learn how to do those things or learn how to market them or learn what that looks like so it can also be a really great way to grow so you you've been saying like find the things that you that you
0: want to do that bring you joy and it's like sometimes the things that like you don't want to do or like whatever like the things that aren't bringing you joy but could still bring you money are just the things that are easy yeah so what, to your point of like it gives you the opportunity to experiment 100% and you're going to find the things that like you really enjoy doing but th- like not everything like if you're good at something you should still keep that in your For sure. house because even if it like doesn't make you like super excited doing that stuff is still going to yeah. make you money. Um, the things to weed out are the things that literally like make the pit of your yeah. stomach feel yucky.
1: Yeah. You lose sleep at night or you just like see the email pop up and you go, oh, no. Like, yeah. Ugh. any Anything that you dread, yeah. anything that causes you like anxiety or undue stress, like if you can weed those out, like if you take those feelings, recognize them and be like, okay, this is not serving me. This is not making me happy. This is you know, not worth whatever money I'm getting for it, etc. Like that's when you can hopefully start to learn like, you know, your, your, uh, what you should and what you shouldn't offer.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you've ever felt like the money that I was given was not worth this, put that sucker on yep. the chopping block or <laughs> double buy. the price. This brings us back to like the general idea of being prepared. We talked about earlier being prepared to take on, you know, the workflow of these types of projects but to make sure that when you're offering things, you're offering things that you're either confident in or that you're willing to try, but you're leaving yourself enough room to make mistakes. Totally. Um, we've all done that. Every job for whatever process it's been, has we, there has to be a first. So there's always going to be a first die cutting and a first edge painting and sometimes they can be your own work which is great but even if you've done it a bunch of times for yourself for some reason there's this like magical juju in the universe that like when it's somebody else's
1: materials
0: that you're working on
1: shit just like goes wild it's always the thing that's like last minute or is rushed or has like an extra step or you know is on a really tight budget or <laughs> you know like it's always like when yeah. you need it to go right it absolutely goes wrong. So just prepare for that and you yeah. know make make room in your schedule and in your you know finances to make mistakes because that does happen and also if you are trying something that's new to you then just communicate that with your client and you know, work together with them to develop that new process and, you know, get feedback if you need it and that kind of thing. Um, hopefully, you know, when you're building these business to business relationships, you're working with these other designers or whatever. Um, hopefully you're building a relationship where you can, you know, ask and offer those things. And maybe you offer it at a discount the first time and they give you feedback or advice or thoughts, you know, but there's a lot of ways to kind of nuance that, but, um, yeah, you know, just just be communicative of where you're at in that phase and in your learning journey, especially if it's something new. Um, and I think most people will be willing to to help help that process along. So,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah.
0: All right, so let's talk about some boundaries because there's a heavy need for boundaries in all all types of work that you Room do. Room for improvement everywhere, especially yeah. this one. Yeah, for some reason, business to business. tends to be the place where the boundaries get really blurry, especially because as a small business, working with another small business, you do want to build that friendship and that relationship. But it almost then like the lines become unclear. And when people are like DMing you about new projects or urgent project things, but you've decided that today you're going to take like a sabbatical from social media because you actually have a ton of work to do that's going to be a problem like so setting up your boundaries. so we're going to talk about a bunch of different kinds of them but related to your offering specifically you really want to establish your own timelines your own availability and be prepared to say no to projects that you just can't take on for whatever reason yeah because of schedule reason yeah whatever the reason is um but knowing how long something actually takes you and like every little bit of the process, even freaking packaging it Yeah. like packaging does not just happen in like two minutes. It takes a while to recount everything, do a quality control, wrap the baby up, get it in its box, weigh the box, make the label. Yeah. It drop time.
1: it off at UPS. Yeah. All of every, every <laughs> step takes time and, you know, making sure that you have enough paper on hand and like, if you don't ordering it, like, you know, just, Coming into this, knowing where you stand on timelines and how many projects you want to take on, and what your what your boundaries are for things that that aren't gonna you know bring you joy, that aren't gonna be worth your time, et cetera, knowing those off the bat before we even start talking to people about these jobs is gonna be hugely helpful because then it gives you the power to say no to things that don't fit, rather than feeling obligated in some way or feeling guilty if you don't take it on. Um, you know, you'll have a clear you know, thought of, of what is okay and what's not. Um, and we, yeah, Yeah. you know, we've both had some amazing, we've had Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing business to business clients who we've printed a bunch of jobs for and had nothing but smooth sailing. But we've also dealt with plenty of others who required a lot more of our time and our energy and not everyone is perfect and we all make mistakes obviously, but, um, yeah, just be prepared, you know, yeah
0: and even the amazing clients when things don't go smooth sailing. Yeah. Like I accidentally sh- swapped shipping labels on boxes yeah. before and sent a B2B project to a retail client and a retail project to a B2B client and it was an utter nightmare because while they were discovering it I was on a 5-hour yeah. flight and like nobody could get a hold of me. They ended up emailing each other Resol- By the time I landed wheels down, the situation was resolved. Those are amazing yeah. clients. But you could also have a project that technically on paper went really, really smoothly, but took every freaking bit
1: of your yeah. soul with oh, it. Oh, gosh. I've <laughs> shipped that box out for sure. um Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I think, like, kind of like you said, sometimes people will reach out to you via Instagram or text message or whatever. It's like, I think if, if, anyone who's a B2B client for other people, whether it's a printer, or you're hiring out some calligraphy or whatever you're doing. But like, one of the things that I try and live by is like keeping everything in one email chain, or like at least only responding via email or, you know, keeping everything in one place and staying organized is helpful. But also like, <laughs> it's, it's really hard when people don't know your boundaries. So if you can set them and even better, if you can communicate some of those, like how you like to receive communications or, Hey, if you don't hear a response within 48 hours, try this. Or, you know, like removing your phone number from your email signature is also a valuable tool. Like those are all helpful things that you can do, but as a client, you know, it's just really important to remember that like, especially for those of us who are small businesses, like (laughs) I can't answer emails and print and die cut all at the same time. I have to do those things separately. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just a pain point for me that I've really had to work on this year. Um, And, you know, I've built that into some of my like inquiry forms now and into like my uh, HoneyBook like files. It's like, here are my office hours. Here's how I like to communicate. Here's what you can expect as far as turnaround time and communication time and all of that now. So, you know, I'm trying, I personally am trying to like take the things that, you know, cause me like pain points in my own experiences and communicate how I want that to go to people from the get-go. You know, but it's an ongoing process. You know, we all are learning. We're all trying to like reestablish boundaries all the time. Um, But just be respectful of them and you know it's it's hard when a client puts pressure on you and then you put pressure on the person you're going to and that happens way too often um but you know just know that like you know you have to have a little faith but you also like hopefully should hear back soon <laughs> i don't know yeah. that makes sense.
0: yeah well i think the important thing to remember is that when it comes to the boundaries of your business it's ultimately always going to be on you to set them and then it's on the other people to respect totally. them. And like, if they're not respecting them, they they shouldn't expect anything different. Like you're not going to bend or change your boundaries. My assumption is that nobody reads anything. So like whenever someone contacts me in a way, like I have one client who I, I adore, like all the stuff that we do together, but constantly inquires via text. And so I'm always like, hey, can you send me an email about yeah. this? So like, I just say that every time they inquire through text and I'm like, great. Can you send me an email about this? Even though like, I already know all the project details. I can already start moving on. It doesn't matter because when something needs to be looked up, I'm going to turn to my emails and type in their name. And I want all of their correspondence to come up when I search by their name. I don't want to also have to go to my cell phone and my social media accounts and my mailbox because they've sent me a letter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) somebody's gotta have done that I'm sure yeah it's that's a great point and like also that's absolutely how things get messed up like when you're going back and forth with a client about something and they decide oh no instead I want to go with this color and then you print it in the other color they originally had said but that other change was in an Instagram DM then of course you're not going to remember that of course it's not going to make it into the like file you know the, the clipboard uh production sheet that you have going like it's It's all for a reason. Like we only like to communicate via email for a reason. And I have gotten pretty good at my own boundaries. I'm feeling pretty confident at this point. Like I have notifications turned off on a whole bunch of apps. I leave do not disturb on my phone when I'm working on something. I use text messages, but if it's a client, I will respond to them via email and say, I got your text. Here's the answer to your question. I like, I have gotten pretty good at my boundaries and it's all because somebody has abused them (laughs) at some point, you know, it's like, but it takes that, you know, it takes that like growth to understand, you know, what works for you and what doesn't. And, you know, you may not feel the same way. You may be like, you know, reach out via carrier pigeon. I don't care. Um, but for us or for me, you know, it's really important that I keep things in their lane, if you will. So yeah yeah anywho
0: (laughs) I agree now that that
1: tangent is over um so you know there's also a lot of questions that (laughs) no (laughs) there's um also a lot of questions you can ask your clients that are reaching out from the get-go to make sure that you know how much assistance they're going to need with things um and that includes things like setting up their artwork or ordering the supplies like if they want a specific envelope color are you providing or are they like How many steps is this project how many processes are included etc so um you know we talked a little about my pdf that i send out but um you know you could you could you could ask those questions and kind of get that information however you need like if it's somebody that i know pretty well whether it's following them every step of the way on instagram or you know i actually communicate with them on a regular basis like if that person reached out to me i might already kind of know where they're at in that journey but even then they could prefer to send plates off to somebody else who does things a different way. And those things could make or break your process. So, you know, asking those questions, making sure you request what kind of file types you like and all the information that you need is important to, to kind of set you up for success. Um, you know, and sometimes your clients send you beautiful press ready files that are already in hundred percent K. And sometimes they send us full color PNG files and you know, just asking the right questions and uh, covering your butt with like a file prep fee, even if you say like, oh, in case we need to, the fee will be this many dollars per hour. Um, You know, that all will just save you and a lot of stride, like, struggle and strive later on so
0: and another place to establish boundaries great boundaries is um, whatever contract or terms and conditions you're having them sign which if you're doing business of business is so important to do uh, well contracts in general are important to have with every client if you're offering a professional service but um, you definitely want to have one like don't write it off just because they're another professional. And they offer a professional service. Don't just assume that you don't have to have any sort of contract or terms and conditions for them because you do. And what should be in those is who's responsible for what so that it's just clear. You just know. So the client should be responsible for owning the license to all the artwork they've provided for you. That includes their fonts, their illustrations, all of that stuff. They're responsible for that. Um, reviewing it for spelling mistakes it is not on you to review for spelling mistakes now i do want to talk about that a little bit later in professionalism but like just based on terms and conditions alone like it should not be on you for any spelling mistakes and to make sure that the files are sent as they're intended to be printed can also be in your terms and conditions so that if anything were to go wrong you could say like hey These are the file requirements and the files weren't submitted this way. So that's why we have X, Y, Z. And that could be the Stuff like that is important. Yeah, Stuff like that's just important to have. It's, you know, nice cover your ass clause. And you can actually send that as an individual contract that they would read through and sign at the bottom. Or I know that, you know, when I work with like commercial printers, there's sometimes just like a checkbox that's like, Here's our terms, conditions, and licensing agreements and all yeah. of that stuff. And it's like a link that takes me to a PDF. Yeah,
1: totally. There's, you can plug that in in any way you need to, but definitely have it have it set up and ready. Um, just, again, cover your ass. <laughs> yeah. So, like, kind
0: of leading from that into professionalism, which is, like, I think a good topic to cover in the Business of Business one because, like I said, you're kind of friends – with everyone. You're establishing these nice relationships. Your business is going to feel really good if you know your clients and you respect your clients and vice versa. So taking ownership over the process you are doing is probably one of the most important elements to having success. Like just because your B2B clients are in the industry um, and it's easy to assume that they're not going to make any mistakes or they're going to know exactly what to do. Miscommunication still can happen. Mistakes can still happen. So if you run a process like Letterpress and you know you have to set up plate files, you know they have to be in 100% black, you get a PDF file, you open it up. It looks like it's in 100% black, but somewhere in there is... A line Something, or a clipping mask CMYK that's like and, yeah, RGV, some yes, yes, <laughs> some other obscure shade yeah. of black that looks identical. It's not going to come up on the pr- on the plate, and yeah, we could kind of point fingers back and forth. Technically, per the terms and conditions, it's sort of on the client, but you are doing yourself a disservice by just not checking, yeah. by skipping that step, by. Like you're the one who knows how it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to be set up. And so if you're, if you're the one ordering the plates, just taking the extra time to make sure everything is the right color, all the things are the right line weights, like that's a level of service you're providing your clients that is above and beyond your terms and conditions, but it's. Making you a really good it service. It also provider. is
1: covering your own ass. Like it is still falling under that. And saving yeah, yourself it's time. Still falling under that. Like save yourself time in the long run, money for sure, and save yourself from the possibility of your client coming back saying, "Why didn't this letter print on this address?" And you know, it's like, or running into printing issues. You know, like maybe that, like that plate had a line that fell off. You know, it's like. All of these things are just going to save you time in the long run. And, you know, that's why it's important to go back to your pricing and make sure you build in extra time and you build in the time that it takes to set up those files. Or if it's somebody who's new to letterpress, you know, including that file prep fee. And if you have to charge it, you know, like all of those things add up, but they also like 99% of the time, if you went back to that client and said, Hey, I noticed that this line weight is a little thin. Do you mind if I add a 0.125 stroke? And like 99%, they're going to be like, Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for catching that. They're never going to be like, "Mm, I don't, mm, it's too thick. Like, are you sure? Like, they're not going to, people aren't going to, well, not every time, but it's highly unlikely they're going to argue with you about it. The most common occurrence is that they're going to be thrilled that you noticed that, that you caught that that you fixed it, that you paid attention enough and cared enough to do it, you know, it it works to your advantage to just take care of it. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, I've even made recommendations on ink colors, after like a client, you know, of their client has already approved everything, this is what they wanted, this is what they think they're going to get. And then it comes to my plate, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this isn't going to show up the way that you've photoshopped it. Unfortunately, here's my recommendation. And that's always like a scary conversation to have because you don't ever want to tell a professional like do
1: their job, you know,
0: yeah, how to do their job. But you also have to know that you're the professional for your process. And if you know that a combination of ink and paper isn't going to be right, or if you know that, this white ink isn't going to show up on these envelopes and USPS is never going yeah. to mail them. Just yeah. let them know. And they're either going to in writing, they're either going to tell you go forward. And Taking so there the blame
1: if is, there is to, your yeah, protection, your, you know, your safety measure,
0: or they're going to say, thank you so much. You've just saved my client a ton of heartache because now their invitations are going to arrive or their invitations are going to be legible or, Like, they're not going to have to spend more money to reprint this after. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, that's a great, a great tip.
0: You could tell that we've been through the ringers. (laughs)
1: Literally. We're both just like, (laughs) and we're dead. Um, (laughs) And we're like, oh, I'm having flashbacks (laughs) of PTSD. (laughs) Mm.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. But you've written a blog post. That's really helpful, right?
1: Talk about like making lemon lemonade out of lemons. Um, I have actually written a blog post about designing for Letterpress, which you know, it, it, there's a website called Boxcar Press, which we can link in the show notes. But Boxcar Press has a really great uh, section on their website about um, setting up your files for Letterpress, and I always love that. Like some of the common questions are right there, like what line weights do you need, and what point size has to is required for plates, like all of those basic questions that you need to know before you even send things off are right there. So. I took that idea and I just kind of elaborated on what I like to receive. And I really just wrote this blog post about what I like to see and what I like to receive as files and all of that. Um, But I, I freaking love like when I have somebody that I haven't printed for before, you know, reach out, I will absolutely just throw it in my email. Like, Oh, so, you know, since you're new to letterpress, or if you're new to letterpress, if you want some helpful tips, however you want to phrase it, depending on the relationship you have with that person. And then I freaking drop a link right in there. And I just link them right to this blog post. Like I wrote a blog post. If you have any questions, let me know. Like it gives them an overview of what you're kind of expecting. And it like allows me to kind of weed out some of those basic questions and hopefully it's, I mean, I feel like it's helped and I definitely have seen people click on that link. So, um, you know, it's just a great option to have. So if you have a blog capability on your website, or if you want to create another PDF, we all love our PDFs, you know, you can create that yourself or link to somewhere like boxcar press or another blog post or another website that you find is helpful. You know, um, there are a lot of, a lot of websites and articles and things out there. So you know, whatever you're offering, there's probably some post or some website that offers something written out like like you're looking for. But um, yeah, it's been really helpful, and I think it's a good way to kind of steer people in the right direction without having to be like, "Oh, it's clear that you don't know what you're talking about." Let me send you an educational article. You know, it's <laughs> like it's, there's a way to yeah. approach these things that are friendly and open and welcoming, but also save you time and save you the energy of like explaining what. K means, you know, it's like there's, you know, do what you can to set yourself up for success, but also to encourage your clients to educate themselves, um, you know, while still being open and friendly about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Because you, I personally speaking, just like from my experience, I am always so afraid of assuming where someone's at on their journey. um, Because I'm almost always (laughs) wrong. Like I've gotten inquiries before from clients who I go on their Instagram and it's full of all these like really beautiful, super professional photos. Like they do really great work. It looks like they've been doing this their whole lives and then come to find out it's actually the first time that they've done letterpress. And so like they need, they need that information. They want that information. Um, But had they not asked me for it, like I would have just assumed that they knew everything and there probably could have been a conundrum totally. somewhere down yeah. the line. So I think it's always nice to like have a way to basically be like, I want to share this information with you about how my process works so that you just know how my process works. But in there is like literally everything that they would need to know, even if they were an absolute totally. beginner.
1: Yeah. So like it has things like prepping your artwork for letter pressing and outlining text and what kind of images are okay and what's aren't like what like what colors we're talking about, the 100% K thing, crop marks, and how many colors are we printing and how I like to have those multiple color jobs set up, like, and all of that stuff is in there. Um, in addition, I also have linked some other articles like the boxcar website, you know, like, hey, I order my plates through these people or these people, here are their file requirements, go read them yourself if you really want to know, like, you know, and people obviously can still ask questions, but it's, it's there for the people who are you know, interested in learning and in developing and growing their skills, that information is readily available for them. And then I don't have to be like, so how much do you actually know about this? (laughs) Yeah. Which I would never do, but still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And overall, I mean, you're going to work through kinks as you start offering wholesale to other vendors and you'll figure out what works for you. Um, But building these relationships is super rewarding and it'll only help you expand your reach and your business even further. So overall, we love it.
0: Well, I guess my final thought really would be to like tying it back to the beginning when I said I posted that Facebook post um, and that I changed my business, which it really did. It, It changed a lot about my business thinking about that printing work for other designers, it allowed me to like stretch my skills in ways that it may have taken me longer to do. Like I had a few people do, you know, full bleed patterns, which means I had to actually print on larger paper and then cut down, which I don't typically do. Um, you know, so I got to work on like that process. And of course that encouraged me to buy an expensive (laughs) paper cutter, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. Happy for now, but Again, like that's still a pushing. It's like, oh, I needed to do this, so I did this. And now that paper cutter has literally saved me hours and hours and hours. Um, And it became the backbone of my business financially. However, time is money and money is time. So the more that I work with other designers, the less time I have to design my own work. And there are days where I'm looking at my Instagram and I'm like, I like I haven't posted anything and you know even if I did post my recent work it's all other people's designs and I still want to use my Instagram as a way to attract clients for me to design for so I'm like kind of caught in this dichotomy of like am I promoting myself as a designer am I promoting myself as a printer it's a total trade-off and I have absolutely not settled on
1: any yeah, answer? there's no one answer yeah. in that
0: realm but <laughs> I think I'll always do a bit of both but it does kind of like it comes yeah. with a price you know in one way it's paying my bills but in another way it's like, holding you
1: back from other things I
0: started my business to do design yeah. work and I have definitely done less designing for in the sure
1: past I I definitely started off very gung-ho about printing for other people to build up business and to learn and keep practicing and all of these things and As time and my business has progressed, I've definitely tapered off on the B2B side of things. I'm not really actively pursuing them unless I have an open calendar for some reason and I'm scrolling Facebook. Occasionally, I'll literally just be like, oh, I can do it. Email me at whatever. And those are the few times I take on new B2B clients now. And that's an amazing feeling because I'm busy enough doing other things. But like you said, you have to find that balance when you do have a good amount of B2B work with your own work. It's like all of a sudden you have to kind of make a choice. And, you know, sometimes you might find that you like doing B2B more than you like designing. And there, that is totally okay. Like you don't have to be a designer. You don't have to be a stationer. You could just be a printer or you could just be a calligrapher. Like I see so many people who are just calligraphers doing a full on business, making their entire salary that way, like their only job because they do it for other clients, whether that's companies like doing holiday events, plug holiday season coming up, get ready. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it's like there are mm-hmm. so many different ways to do business that like you don't have to do it all yourself and you don't have to do everything. You can specialize in one thing and do it really well for everyone. And, you know, so I think it's just like coming into it with that flexibility and that open mindedness. Um and knowing kind of coming back to your boundaries and knowing like, Hey, I really do want my focus to be on my own work. Like, so I'm going to take a little, I'm going to put B2B in like the back seat for a while. You know, it'll still be there when people ask about it, but like, it's not going to be the front and center for a bit, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a really nice option to have. And for me, it's, it's been a great way to like expand, but, um, yeah, you know, there may come a time where you decide it no longer serves you and that's totally okay too. Then you just find people that you can send your, your B2B clients to. (laughs) So, yep.
0: Awesome. Well, that was, I hope that was really helpful for people. I mean, that would have been really helpful for me (laughs) when I first was thinking about doing it because, uh, like I said, it was sort of a hot mess and I just kind of jumped into it, which is my total MO. Yeah. Yeah. So, should we move on to our favorite segment?
1: Printmas!
0: All right, so it's Printmas week six. Yay! We are officially halfway through Printmas. Oh my God, that's terrifying! Exciting, terrifying all at the same time. Um, Okay, so the prize for this week's giveaway is going to be a collection of lovely inks from none other than our. Best friends at Southern Ink. (laughs) Um, They sent us, a while ago, they sent us a collection of some neon that we still have. So Mm -hmm. we're going to be sending um, a nice purpley neon color to you. We're going to send you a holiday color with that too. So two tubes of ink. And the way that you can enter is by leaving us a review on the podcast. So... That would be on Apple Podcasts. Unfortunately, it's the only place to leave reviews. And if you've already left us a review, I know it will not let you leave us a review again. So, if you've already left us left us a review, guess what? You're entered.
1: Yay. We love you. Easy peasy. Look at that. <laughs>
0: Easy peasy. You're already entered. If you have not, if you have not left us a review. You can go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, and then you will be entered. And if you are not listening on Apple, don't worry. We still love you. Just send us an email. Just give us some love. Send us an email. Let us know you're there. Let us know you're listening, and we'll put you in the drawing anyway. Amazing.
1: Yay. Good luck to you all, and thank you for your reviews. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much for your reviews. We love them. We should go back to reading them. We used to read them, but I get like – I get – nervous about reading them
1: we have some they're all positive um we have 13 <laughs> ratings on apple Podcasts. this is amazing
0: it's very exciting i love yeah. it i love all the people who listen we we adore you guys i hope yeah you
1: know that. honestly like every time we do read reviews we like cry because they're just so nice it's it's really just incredible like We're so lucky. Anyway, so thank you all. Uh, We can't wait to hear from you and uh, see what you have to say. Hopefully five stars, but you know, no pressure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, but I was listening to a podcast the other day and the hosts were like talking about this person who left them a three-star review and they were like, nothing but five stars. We are not going to change what we do. So it's not even worth you leaving anything (laughs) but five stars. And you know what? I kind of feel the same. Here's the thing. We stand by it all the time. We are not experts. We know that occasionally we're going to have errors. You could DM us if we've ever made an error. You want us to correct it on the next episode. Send us a DM. Send us an email. Don't leave us a bad review because that's not going to make us change our ways.
1: Oh, no. We will just, yeah, we will just remember that forever. So, um, yeah.
0: You only know what you know. So if you want us to know something... Send us a DM totally. or an email.
1: Yeah. and we're Now never, that we've we're... talked
0: about not DMing us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, our DMs on Hot Off the Press are always open. We love DMing with you guys. It's yes. uh, the clients who are like, oh, well, you didn't answer my email 38 seconds ago, so I'm going to go ahead and send you a message. That's, that's what we don't like. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, for me, it's just not knowing what, like, having all the project details. So well, please DM us on it the is, pod.
1: Yeah. Please DM us on the pod anytime about anything Letterpress related because we love it. Um, yeah. Yes. That's it. Yay. That's well, thank you so it. much
0: for being here. We love you guys so much, and we'll be back next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.